Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now, Friday, May the 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo, uh, for those of you that celebrate that. Uh, welcome to another edition of the show. It's Ian Cameron with you. Uh, no Alex B. Smith today, a little under the weather. Uh, he'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Jimmy Murphy, our Friday guest, Boston Hockey Now's finest, uh, does a great job, of course, there, uh, will be joining us momentarily. I do want to take the moment to mention that... Um, National Hockey Now is growing. Uh, there's a lot of brand new writers being hired uh, onto the site covering various NHL teams. Uh, so make sure you're checking out nationalhockeynow.com and all the subsequent uh, team sites in the Hockey Now network because uh, I am definitely um, seeing the growth uh, with the Hockey Now network and uh, new writers, new team sites launching over the last uh, few days and the last week. So, uh, again, a great source of hockey info, hockey news, team news. Uh, it's a great site to help keep you up to date with every NHL team. And believe it or not, I use the Hockey Now websites every day, you know, in terms of, you know, finding out injuries and, you know, just in-depth analysis and opinions from people that are right on top of things, covering these teams on a daily basis all season long. So it's a great website. It's a great resource to keep in touch with everything uh, that is NHL-related. So, uh, again, check that out. Uh, that's uh, at uh, nationalhockeynow.com. And, of course, Jimmy Murphy, one of the great writers at Hockey Now, uh, will be joining us momentarily, our good friend, to talk to Devils, Hurricanes, as well as the Bruins. Uh, let's look at last night. And uh, for last night, we obviously have to start with – the uh, Florida-Toronto game, and uh, let's do a little Barry Horowitz here. A little pat on the back for yours truly in terms of how to attack this game. And man alive, did I ever make the right fucking decision in terms of how to attack last night's Panthers-Leafs game two from a betting perspective. Couldn't have scripted it any better in terms of the way I thought that game would start. Toronto flying out of the gate uh, all over Florida. Uh, drew them into a couple of penalties, got the two early goals to take a two to nothing lead, get that crowd right into it uh, immediately. And it sure looked like we were, at least in the first five to 10 minutes of game two last night, we looked like we were going to get a carbon copy of game two uh, for Toronto from the Tampa Bay series in the first round, where the Leafs are just going to roll to a comfortable home victory, uh, tie up the series, uh, and all of a sudden things are going to be good from there. Uh, but when you look at it, um, obviously, and Toronto had an incredible first period. I mean, they really did. They had an outstanding period. Florida didn't really do much. Unfortunately for them, you know, it looked like a harmless play. The puck gets chipped into the uh, Toronto zone. Tavares blows a tire behind the net, uh, and that screws up the entire uh, play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everybody a little bit out of position, slow to react, and a beautiful backhand feed from Sam Reinhart to uh, Anton Lindell in front of the net to get that first Florida goal. And, and right then and there, I said to myself, you know what? Toronto's only up two to one. And I was hoping like hell they would still be up two to one after the first period. We ended up having to hang on for the puck line in the first period, but they did end up taking a two to one lead to the intermission. But at the intermission, I said to the 
uh, friends of mine I was watching the game with, I said, this this isn't a good feel for the Leafs right now. They completely dominated that period, and they're only up 2-1. to one. And worst of all, Florida got the last goal with a little momentum now going into the first intermission. But um, So I was concerned at that moment. That being said, thrilled with the way we uh, analyzed this game yesterday on the show uh, as far as Toronto coming out strong. I was very confident they would. And we attacked it multiple ways there. We had Toronto team total over one and a half at plus 200 in the first period. It was so good to cash that. Uh, and of course, the uh, first period puck line was the best bet winner for me on the show yesterday, uh, minus a half at plus 130. Um, and and I said, you know what? And I and kind of jokingly at the time, uh, after the first period ended, I put on Twitter that, you know, the Leafs can do whatever the fuck they want now, you know? Their work is done as far as I'm concerned. They got my first period team total and first period puck line. They got it done for me in those two, uh, with those two bets. Uh, whatever happens now happens. Whatever they want to do with the rest of this game, they can do. Sure as shit did I. I had no idea that would end up being what turned out to be a disastrous start to the second period for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I can't even explain how bad it was. It was horrific the way the Leafs came out to start the second period. Slow lackadaisical, nonchalant, garbage fucking puck management from, and and the worst part of it all for Toronto last night, it was garbage puck management from their best players. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews in particular, Nylander too made a couple of really ridiculous, you know, type of uh, plays with the puck last night. It was absolutely deplorable, you know, to see Toronto just so wayward with the puck and it was their best players it was their higher priced talent that ended up letting them down with these soft candy ass fucking garbage uh bullshit uh you know puck you know giveaways through the neutral zone giveaways at your own blue line trying to do fancy schmancy shit and, and it ended up in the back of their net not once but twice in the first two minutes of the second period, and a two-to-one lead disappeared. It became three-to-two uh, in favor of the uh, Florida uh, Panthers. And uh, right then and there, I mean, certainly you could tell the arena was deflated. Uh, the life came out of it. Not that Toronto's home building is full of life to begin with, but whatever life it did have, uh, certainly it um, ended up, you know, coming out of the uh, the air out of the balloon, if you will, for the uh, Scotia Bank Arena faithful. And it really took Toronto almost the entire second period to get their game back. Florida was really taking it to Toronto after they went ahead 3-2. to two. And it really wasn't until early in the third that we started to see the Leafs start to be more assertive, controlling the play like they did early in the game. But by then it was 3-2 Florida. By then, you know, a lot of the momentum had been stunted. And, you know, I, I said this when they got knocked out by Montreal two years ago. And I remember people were saying, Wow, you know, Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares, the core four that have been here for years, I talked about people were trying to make excuses for them and say, well, they had a bunch of chances, they had a bunch of shots, and even though they didn't score much or produce offensively in that series, you know, they had their chances, they had their opportunities, they at least generated, uh, you know, opportunities to score goals and the puck was just not going in. And then I'm hearing kind of the same thing last night, well, you know, they had their chances. You know, we saw Nylander, Tavares, Matthews. Uh, they all had a ton of shots on goal. You know, they had a ton of chances. But you've got to be clinical now. you got to be surgical, and you've got to find a way to bury these chances. You've got to finish. 
You've got to produce. This isn't the we tried hard league. This isn't the we generated chances league. Oh, we got shots on goal league. Yeah, you're going to win the game because you had shots on goal. You're going to win the game because you had chances. No, you have to put the fucking biscuit in the basket, period. So, and it's the same thing I said two years ago when they got embarrassed by the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. I don't give two squats, two shits about uh, any chances you had, any shots you had, uh, hitting the post a couple of times. No, put it in. Score. Find a way. You're, you're some of the most talented, skilled players in the NHL. And you're definitely the most talented, skilled players on this hockey team. When I'm talking about Nylander and Marner and Matthews and Tavares, put the thing in the freaking net. I don't want to hear about these chances we had and these posts that we hit and these fucking shots on goal that we had. No, finish. You got to score. If you're going to be a Stanley Cup champion, you got to take advantage of your opportunities. Florida was opportunistic last night. They didn't have a shit ton of chances, but they put the puck in the net when they got their chances. And obviously a big part of the story as to why the Leafs didn't finish their chances was goalie Bob, who was once again phenomenal in that game. There's no question about that. Uh, He was uh, very good in goal for the second straight game in this series. I don't care how good the other goalie is. If you want to win, you've got to score more than two goals. You can't score two goals in the first five minutes of the game and then nothing from that point on. You've got to finish. You've got to produce. Okay? You don't get participation ribbons in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We participated. We got shots on goal. We got chances. No. You got to put the puck in the net. You've got to finish your chances. Leafs didn't do a good enough job of that in the third period. So all this nonsense I'm reading and hearing in that, well, the Leafs had a great third period, great first period, should have won the game, could have, would have, should have, didn't. Okay? And uh, absolutely inexcusable, inexplicable, disgraceful, embarrassing, horrendous. First two minutes to that second period cost them that game with puck management, with candy-ass giveaways and turnovers in their own blue line, at their own blue line. Stuff that can't be tolerated in October in an early regular season game, let alone game fucking two of the second round. Soft as butter. The whole lot for making little fancy dangle plays like that, soft, not hard on pucks. That's what that was. That's what that second period monstrosity to begin the period was from the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's what it was. You know, and again, other things I want to point out about the Leafs too from last night. Sam Bennett, and credit to him, I don't know if anything he did was suspendable. He did get fined for the bunting thing where he was cross-checked him, and that was pretty vicious. And what he did to Matthew Nyes during the game was pretty vicious. And Leaf fans are up in arms that Bennett should have got suspended for that with the uh, rock-bottom wrestling-type maneuver that he had uh, on Matthew Nyes, which is actually now, as we found out earlier today, resulted in a concussion for Matthew Nyes, who left the game last night. He didn't return after that concussion and is now going to be out for at least the next two games here in this Leafs-Panthers series. Um, but I don't know if you could say, like, Bennett was definitely trending on the line and maybe crossing it a bit with the bunting stuff. I, I get that. I, I would, I personally wouldn't have been shocked by or, or disagreed with a one-game suspension, but he did get fined. 
I don't know what you can do with the Nye's play because there's nothing in the rule book that says, what do we do when a guy gets, you know, kind of slammed like that? There's not really, a, and it wasn't direct to the head contact. It was just a hard type of, you know, like a wrestling body slam. That's what it was. There's not really anything that's that states that, oh, you've got to be suspended for doing something like that. So it's it's a tough spot, you know, and, and at the end of the day, Bennett's gotten off unscathed. He will play in game three, you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's unfortunate that Nyes gets hurt, but there's no such thing in the rule book as you're getting suspended because you have a body slam on someone. You know, it's it's hard physical play. You know, fringe of, I don't want to say dirty, but, you know, extreme, vicious. It's certainly vicious. That's the word, vicious. I don't know about dirty, but it was vicious. The physicality from Sam Bennett. So, at the end of the day, he doesn't get suspended. If you're a Leaf fan, you can't cry that that's the reason he lost the game. And there's, again, apologists. I mean, the apologists are nauseating. That the, Sam Bennett not getting a thing for any of the, uh, you know, uh, transgressions in the eyes of Leaf fans that he had on the ice last night was why they lost that game. No, a two-minute fucking uh, soft as butter puck management from your best players, your most highly paid players, is why you lost that game. That lapse, that not being ready to start the second period. What the hell did, what, what the hell were they thinking? Seriously, this, this high-priced talent, this core four, Mar Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, what were they thinking? Wow, we just had this amazing first period. We're leading this game. Our work's done. We can fuck off right now. We can slough off. We can fall asleep. We can do a little dipsy do and, uh, uh, you know, dingle dangles through the neutral zone and at our own blue line. And we can try to be play this fancy ass, crap ass style of hockey in the playoffs when you got to be hard. You've got to be physical. You've got to be strong on the puck. We can do that. We're up two to one. Our job's done. We're going to win this hockey game. Doesn't work that way. And the Florida Panthers, if there's anything they've shown you in these playoffs, so they're a resilient team. They don't give up. They don't give an inch. They don't quit on a game. Uh, even as bad as that first period was for them, we saw it again last night. Resilient group. Uh, and um, they came back on you. And they made you pay the ultimate price for falling asleep and getting cocky and getting arrogant because you played 20 fucking good minutes of hockey, which is what we saw last night. Um, yeah, absolutely um, awful loss for Toronto. Awful. Because that's a game that could have went the other way, but they decided, you know, we've already done enough to win the hockey game after the first period, and they paid the price for it. They paid the price for it. Simple as that. Uh, but give this Panthers team credit, man. That, now, I want to talk about them now a little bit here. Uh, because what they have done here in the playoffs, they've now won five playoff games in a row going back to game five, first round against Boston. You know, they're getting different contributions every night. Uh, like I say, they're playing hard physical hockey. They are taking the body. They are adding uh, physical uh, miles of, uh, of of a bigger and greater toll to every Leaf player with that physical brand of hockey. Uh, and it's been impressive to see. And you know what's something, too, about the Leafs and why I said they're soft last night in that game? And, and it's not just, you know, the, the giveaways and the turnovers early in the second period that led to that game turning completely around in, in favor of the Florida Panthers. It's that, you know, Bennett was doing that, you know, overly vicious, you know, physical display of physicality, whether it was nice or whether it was bunting. And there's not a single leaf that did anything about it. 
did anybody go confront Bennett and say, hey, don't do that or get in his grill or you know maybe want to go after him or something? Nobody did. And that's disappointing because that was supposed to be something that was addressed by Kyle Dubas with this hockey team. It was supposed to have been addressed when you brought in a Jake McCabe and a Luke Shen and some other and Nola Chari and some other guys that were going to give you that sandpaper and that pushback that, hey, if someone does take physical liberties with our team, we got guys to respond now. And yet nobody did. Nobody did. And, and that to me is a little bit uh, disheartening too, if I'm a Leaf fan. So, but credit to Florida. They've they've made themselves loud and clear. Uh they've made themselves heard loud and clear that they are. Uh, here not to just beat the Boston Bruins. They're here to make a run. They're here to win multiple series. They're here to win a Stanley Cup. And now we're going to have to see Sunday what this Leaf team is made of. And it starts with the core four. They need way more out of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and William Nylander than they've gotten so far uh, in this series. And uh, as I said on uh, Twitter and posted uh, earlier this morning, you want the uh, shining graphic, the perfect illustration of what we saw from the uh, – Toronto Maple Leafs last night uh, in the uh, playoffs uh, in that uh, game last night. Let's uh, get it up on the uh, screen here. Uh, there we go. There. <laughs> right there. That's your Leafs last night uh, in the uh, in game two loss. Uh, soft. That's a live look right there. The top players of the Toronto Maple Leafs in game two. Perfect illustration right there. Nice and soft. You know, two-ply soft right there uh, in that game last night. Uh, Jimmy Murphy, good to hear from him. Good to, well, I was going to say see him, but good to hear from him. Uh, Jimmy, um, thoughts on the Panthers Leafs uh, last night? Obviously, to me, uh, Toronto had the start they I expected and the start they wanted, but you can't make these flimsy plays with the puck and expect to win a playoff hockey game. And, man, they paid the ultimate price early in the second period for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the the video guys for Toronto. I mean, you would think they they watched video after video of what this team did to the Boston Bruins. They're doing the exact same thing. There's nothing different I'm seeing out there right now from the Panthers in this series. Not no different look. They they are who they are. They're coming at you and they're saying, "Beat us if you can." And you know, like much like the Bruins, uh, I agree with you, Ian. I think there needs to be a little more physical pushback. Uh, to some of the shenanigans that the Panthers are pulling that they did pull against the Bruins as well. But at the same time, I also, you know, it's the same old story in Toronto. Where's their big guns? I mean, step up. Time to lead, Austin Matthews. You know, Mitch Marner, you had an amazing season. Time to lead, Mitch Marner. That didn't look like a fucking Frank Selkie Trophy Award nominee with that no. little giveaway he had no. in the second period. Are you yeah. shitting me? That yeah. guy's a Selkie nominee? I know it, it's, it's unreal. And, you know, it's, and I'm not, look, I'm not just knocking the Leafs because the Bruins had the same issues. Their leaders didn't lead. And I'm including Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand in that, in that conversation. I know we'll get to that, you know, that dissecting the Bruins and we'll have a little Irish wake for them and I'll pull out some Jameson, but uh, you know, look, it's the same thing right now. They just, the big guns got to step up. And when the big guns stepped up for the Bruins in that series, they tended to have a better chance at winning. I thought, you know, look, what are you going to do about that game six? And the same last night. I mean, if they get the littlest bit more contributions from their big guns, I think Toronto wins that game. But they're invisible right now. And they're, and they, they're too rattled. And that's what I saw in that series. Florida, to me, out of teams I've watched in the playoffs, I'd say since 2019, when the Blues won the Cup, I haven't seen a team that's able to rattle 
the opposing team and the opposing team's coach in terms of how they adapt and how they react within a series. This is the first time since that Blues team that won the Cup. Uh, and, and for you betters out there, get the good value while you still can. Throw in a little one on the Panthers to win the Cup right now because there's a very good possibility they do it. I, I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people right now, but you look at this team right now, man, When you, you can just see it. Certain teams, when they get on that roll, there's nothing that's going to stop them. And that's where the Florida Panthers are right now. You know, team of destiny is a phrase that's often thrown out there, especially when teams get red hot at the right time of year. Yep. It kind of feels that way right now with the Panthers. And uh, people thought that maybe they'd be a, uh, a one-hit wonder when they knocked off Boston in stunning fashion. Uh, and right now they're proving that's not the case. Uh, they're proving that they just are finding their game at the right time. It is a hard – and you know what it is? The forecheck is intense. It oh makes mistakes. They're in on you. They don't give you time and space. And they're yep. playing at a higher degree of physicality right now. And this, when the Leafs see the Leafs, and a lot, I find that in the third period when they were and they were pressing the Leafs, they were much better in the third than they were in the second, and they nearly tied that game. But it seemed like they were rushing shots, rushing passes, and that's because of the threat of the physicality and that Panthers team just bearing down on you, which is what they did against Boston. It makes you rush things, or it makes you hesitate. So the shot is not clean off your stick. And we've seen that from the uh, Leafs. You know, Matthews has been known to rip the shot, you know, top corner, pick the, uh, you know, corner of the net. And last night in that third period, I think because of the threat of the, you know, Panthers player, you know, checking him and getting the puck or uh, him turning it over because of that threat, he's just shooting it along the ice, making it an easy save for Bobrovsky. It's those little things. And it's the Panthers making them rush their shot, rush that pass, hesitate a little bit, overthink things. Panthers are making them do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And look, not that it was a, uh, a real similar situation to what you just described, but I even look and look, we can debate this, this physical encounter all we want with what happened with Bennett and, and Matthew knees. And I do think it was dirty. Um, but the fact is, does knees get hurt if he's not already hesitating and thinking about what's coming and thinking about the physicality that he's about to encounter. That's what they're making you do. They're making you hesitate. And so when you hesitate in hockey, you're not, you know, full speed ahead. That's when you get hurt or you make a mistake. So that's what, that's what they're doing. They are in their heads. And I, I start for seven games with the Bruins. They, like I said, they rattle you and, and you just, you can't, you can't recover. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Uh, there is good news for Toronto fans, and here's here's your here's your ray of hope for this series. You have been terrific on the road, and this has been the road dominated playoffs so far, no question. Toronto went three and zero in Tampa Bay uh, in the first round. They won all three games down there. They are going to have to win both. Simple as that. Uh, in Florida, Sunday and next Wednesday, and there's going to be a nice gap now. Uh, between the next two games. We won't see game three until Sunday, and then game four in Florida isn't until next Wednesday. So this is an opportunity here for the Leafs. are going to be on the road now for a long time because I think they're probably going to leave for Florida tomorrow. And so they'll be down in Florida Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is a chance for them to come together as a group, and, some and this is probably the perfect time for it for them. And, and rally the troops. Come out strong in game three. I'll be honest, Jimmy. Right now, my first thought is, you know, game one, 
uh, or game two last night. I love the first period look for Toronto. I'll probably be on it again in the in game three, you know, on Sunday because yeah. it's going to be do or die for them. They're going to have to come out strong again. And, uh, you know, I did, and I said I would, and I'm a man of my word on this show, Jimmy. I said yesterday that if Florida goes up 2 nothing, and I'm seeing it right now, the adjusted series price, and, and it's tough now with the way Florida's playing. Maybe they're going to win this series. It's a team of destiny, but I did. I said I would grab a sliver of Toronto at the plus number, and I've, and I've done that. I took a little plus 245 uh, adjusted series price on Toronto, knowing how good they've been on the road. It's a decent price. They've been at their best away from uh, the mortuary known as uh, Scotiabank Arena uh, throughout <laughs> these uh, playoffs. So uh, to me, it's... um. Not over yet, but and Toronto, but Toronto has to show that same road prowess they showed against the Lightning. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that out. There's two great points by you, and I, I want to address the scheduling too. But first, in terms of Florida at home, don't forget, Ian, Florida lost games three and four to the Bruins at home. The Bruins outplayed them completely in those games yep. at, at, you know, FLA Live Arena. Um, and then you look at game six, <laughs> If Linus Almar didn't become a giant sieve, the Bruins clinched that series in that game. I mean, how, how many times are you going to see the Bruins score five goals and not win, right? Bruins should have went 3-0 and in Florida yeah, in that series. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So if, if Linus Almar could stop a beach ball, they, they would be playing right now in the second round against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the series would be headed back to Toronto. So, you know... They have had their trouble on home ice, and I think they're – and we start with the Blues. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I remember it. They weren't that great on home ice in that series, especially in that Stanley Cup final. The Bruins won more games on in St. Louis than they did at home. So their game is the prototypical road game. It is catered to playing on the road, right? It's that just keep it simple, hustle, beat the shit out of the opponent, and catch your breaks and make the best of them. And that and that's what they do. And that's, you know, if they come out of a first period 0-0, they're feeling pretty good, and then they go from there. That's the way you do it on the road. And so maybe they're having trouble, and this will benefit the Leafs. Maybe they do have trouble keeping that road mentality at home. And the other thing now, Ian, and that's a good thing. I didn't think about this, but you brought it up, that scheduling gap. When you're a team that's won five in a row and you are riding the emotions high right now, you are rolling. You don't want to stop. You want to keep playing tomorrow. You know, like so that that could really turn the ta- tables there and affect the the Panthers in a negative way. There, yeah, it's great they get to nurse their injuries and get healthier, but uh, that could affect them right now because I, I've seen it. I you know going. I keep going back to 2019. I apologize to be repetitive, but even that year, if you recall, the Bruins swept the Hurricanes in the conference final, right? And I don't know if you remember, they had like. Was it four, almost two weeks? I think it was like 12 or 13 days off yeah. in between the conference final and the Stanley Cup. And St. Louis comes in flying high from a long, crazy series in their conference final and kept the momentum going. So these gaps can hurt the team with the momentum. That is a great point because, you know, one thing about Florida, game five, and then every other day, game six, every other day, game seven against Boston. Then they went right in, again, just a one day in between to game one, Toronto, one day in between game two, Toronto. Now there's two days, you know, and now you're sitting on things a little bit and everybody's pumping you up hearing about how great you've been playing. And Ian, we know too, I would say now some might argue, and maybe I'm a little partisan because this is the sport I cover, but. Uh, NHLers, I think out of all the four pro sports athletes are the biggest creatures of habit and routine. 
And when that routine gets broken up just the slightest bit, they're in trouble. Yeah, so that's a fascinating game three. You can already tell I'm kind of leaning Toronto in some fashion uh, in uh, game three, but um, boy, I might just stick to first period like I did the other night after what I saw yesterday after the, that second period. They just they just thought after one period, hey, it was such a great period. We're going to win this game, and they just turned their brains off with just dumbass turnovers and giveaways right at the beginning of the second period that fueled Florida, and they took advantage of it. The other game last night was uh, Seattle and Dallas. A uh, great response from the Dallas Stars. Now, unlike Toronto, Dallas did put 60 minutes on the board uh, and three pretty good periods last night. And what I found, Jimmy, with that game is Dallas in the first game, initially they had trouble adjusting to Seattle's uh, overall speed, the four lines of, way, of wave that they can roll at you, especially comparing Seattle to Minnesota, Dallas's first-round opponent. You could tell it was an adjustment for the Stars, just the increase in pace and speed that Seattle was bringing to this series compared to Minnesota. Struggled with it. Obviously not the best night defensively or for Ottinger, but he's bounced back Jake Ottinger, man. Don't ever bet against this guy off a loss or off a subpar game, and he did it again last night. He was much better. The whole team was better in containing Seattle. I think they needed that one-game adjustment. You know, to really uh, get a grasp of what Seattle brought to the table, and they were much better against the Kraken and, and that speed and that four lines of uh, depth they rolled out, and they get a nice 4-2 to two win uh, in Game 2 last night, and they even up that series 1-1. That being said, this is going to be a punch-counterpunch type of series. You know, It felt like it was a pretty good situation for Dallas, and now it's up to Seattle. How do they adjust going back home to Climate Pledge Arena for Game 3 on Sunday night? But I still like Dallas, Jimmy, in the series to win that series. But it'll be a tough one. It'll be a long series. It'll be a competitive series. And as we've seen with the Kraken in these playoffs, they won't go away. No, they won't. And look, I I got to see the Kraken up close and personal here when they came into uh, TD Garden. And at the time, were they the first home loss for the Bruins? I feel like they were. I feel like they were the first home loss of the season some point in January, yep. uh, the Boston Bruins. And one thing I noticed about that. Definitely the first regulation loss. Okay, yeah. Home. yeah. So I, I think the one thing I noticed about, yeah, you're right. It was the first regulation, not the first yep. loss overall. So they they can roll four lines. And each line has a different personality. So they're coming at you with different looks all the time. And you really line to line, shift to shift. You have to be ready to adapt. And I think when you look, you made a good comparison there. Like Minnesota, you know, is their bottom – I don't think their bottom six is as good as Seattle's. Uh, so I think that's an adjustment right there. Um, and then the goaltending, like you said. I mean, you know, they got a bad goal from uh, – a bad game, benefited off a bad game from Minnesota's goaltending. It wasn't answering the bell the next game like a Jake Ottinger is going to do every time he loses. So – you know, this is uh, this is an interesting series. I, I think that a lot of people obviously still look at Dallas as the favorite, and I agree with them. But at the same time, I still think it goes longer than people expected. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I I think it's going to be a long, tough series too. I think it's I think it's Dallas in a long one, which is pretty much what I said before yeah. the uh, series started. Um, but uh, you know, the Kraken again. If the crack if it does get to Game Seven, obviously the Kraken showed they could win. Uh, a game seven on the road, but uh, we'll see how it goes game by game. But I definitely think now it's going to be interesting as Dallas cracked the code because I thought defensively they were much better at, at what Seattle was throwing at them. And again, uh, Bjorkstrand, who had been really starting to roll, was very much non, uh, not impactful last night. 
that was impressive to see. They really contained him in, in particular. Uh, and again, the Dallas uh, big guns, they stepped up. Your guy again, uh, Jimmy, Tyler Sagan, uh, finding the back of the net again there for the uh, Stars last night. And this Wyatt Johnston kid, man, who scored a key goal for them to really separate uh, themselves from the Seattle Kraken. He's had just a remarkable year. I'm incredibly impressed with how at 19 years old, rookie straight out of junior, straight out from the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL last year uh, to now in the NHL, uh, totally didn't even go down to the AHL for any uh, length of time, right up to the NHL and how comfortable he looks in the NHL and how impactful he's been. And it certainly doesn't uh, hurt his cause that he gets to be, uh, room with Joe Pavelski. Apparently he's been staying with Joe Pavelski uh, all season long. So learning from a guy like that uh, certainly helps. But uh, yeah, Wyatt Johnston, uh, a terrific season. And of course, Joe Pavelski, uh, you know, uh, come on, Joe. He only scored one goal last night. That's not good enough. Where you come? Where's your four goals? Come on, you got to be better than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah, he was good again. He got and he got on the board. Not four, but one, and that's uh, still a good night. Yeah, and you know what? Look, uh, credit to my old friend and uh, guy I was lucky enough to cover, Mark Savard, uh, for the coaching job he did with Wyatt there in Windsor. Um, yeah, look, this team too. Uh, going back to Sagan. I mean, I hope people have been taking your advice, Ian. You know, you were the one who kind of brought it to my attention how he was really turning this game on. And we haven't always seen that for Tyler Sagan in the playoffs. I mean, yep. it's kind of hot and cold a lot, you know. And and sometimes, I, I and rightfully so, you know, people would question his effort and his heart. Uh, but not the case now. He looks like a leader out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's good timing for them because, look, I know he scored last night. But overall, I we can agree that Jamie Ben isn't what he once used to be. Yep. And I think it can help him to have not only have another leader's voice, but to have a leader that can lead through his actions too, not just his mouth. And I, I think that's happening right now with Tyler Sagan for the Dallas Stars. So, yeah, it, the, Seattle's in tough, but I, I still think they're going to have a gutsy effort. And I think this thing goes at least six. Yeah, definitely. And uh, JT in the chat makes a great point, and I've been harping on it. It's bothered me when people broadcasters I've heard call him Wyatt Johnson. Johnston. Okay, there's a T in there. Johnston. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Get it right. Wyatt Johnston. I hear that all the time. People, Wyatt Johnson. Wyatt Johnson. Wyatt Johnson. Johnston. Tom Wyatter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Johnston uh, is uh, is his name. Damn it. Get it right. Uh, but yeah, one one. That's a good series. I'm enjoying it. Uh, but we're going to talk New Jersey, Carolina in just a moment. But first, we're going to do a little Bruins here because this is our first time to talk to Jimmy since the end of the uh, Bruins uh, season here uh, on this show. Because, again, that game was uh, Sunday, uh, game seven with the uh, Panthers and the uh, Bruins. Look, just um, stunning, you know, and uh, maybe not so stunning now after seeing Florida get a, a 2 nothing series lead here in the second round against Toronto. But, you know, just surprising. And I'll tell you what, people have, you know, bashed Pierre Maguire and I heard him actually and it was on Montreal radio I think the day you were on Jimmy last week with your buddy Mitch Melnick and I just happened to listen to it tune it in and he said something that nobody brought up nobody brought up as this as a reason this is a reason why Boston lost the series they're four centers they're all over the age of 30 all right all four of them two of them Bergeron and Krejci 38 and 39 you know in terms of age those two guys as well playing less than 100 percent playing through injury, and you've got this physical, for, hard forechecking, tenacious forechecking Panthers team leaning on them for seven fucking games uh, in a row, 
these older centers, these guys that are playing less than 100%, Bergeron and Krejci with so many playoff miles and wars and games that have taxed the body all these years, you know, it, it kind of made a lot of sense to me. It They just got worn down by this Florida Panthers team, got under their skin and wore them down in the course of seven games. And that's exactly what we saw. And uh, like I say, Jimmy, disappointing. I know they are uh, back in uh, Boston and uh, there's lots of reasons why. I don't think the offense was ever a big issue. I think they scored enough goals. The power play was good, certainly in game seven, but I think the foundation of the Bruins all year was their one through six defensively. They were as good as it gets. The penalty kill was number one. It wasn't as good when it needed to be against Florida. The defensive breakdowns, the sloppiness with the puck, the turnovers. You know what I was stunned by too in game seven, Jimmy, is they couldn't they couldn't complete a crisp tape-to-tape pass. It was stunning. The puck was bouncing. It was bobbling, mishandled pucks. Couldn't get it to settle down. Couldn't get it to be in a position where you could get a clean shot at net. The passes weren't clicking. It was just a completely discombobulated game seven from the Boston Bruins. And yet there they were, 3-2 in the third, chance to close out that series. And somehow Montour, who has been incredible, ties it up with less than a minute to go. Heartbreaking. And at that moment, I said, Boston's in trouble. Like, is anybody from a momentum standpoint uh, feeling good about the Bruins winning this game in overtime now after giving up that tying goal? And sure enough for Hagee, uh, bad coverage on him, rips it past uh, Swayman uh, for the uh, series and game-winning goal in uh, Game 7. But, yeah, like I said, I think the Pierre Maguire point about the older centers, 30 years of age and older, and two of them in their late 30s and less than 100%, Bergeron and Krejci was a great point. I mean, the blue line, I mean, it was. I don't want to say McAvoy was bad, but I think he could have been better. And then Lindholm, my goodness, disappointing. I know Orlov threw a couple of points on the board in that series, but I think his defensive play was suspect throughout that series. Clifton, as you mentioned, in game six, had that awful game in Florida. Uh, you know, And just the collective blue line, Jimmy, the foundation of what made the Bruins so great in the regular season, that great blue line, it really crumbled in the playoffs and in that series at the worst time. And just a stunning end to what was a phenomenal season, Jimmy. Have at it. Well, listen, I'm going to play a little clip for you. I hope you can hear it. But this is basically my summary about the Bruins. I mean, we, we just – the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Can you hear it? We played the Bears. <laughs> I think end. <laughs> we played them in the third game. They are what they thought we thought they were. This is Jimmy Denny Green with us, Murphy. Yep. Right now on the ice guys. <laughs> Listen, I told you coming into this season, I looked at the Bruins as a team that would either just make it into the playoffs or a team that would just miss it. They totally made me eat crow in the regular season, but when it came down to it, they were exactly what I thought they were when the playoffs hit. And the other thing, too, they're actually I, I shouldn't say exactly because I almost felt like in that series, and you were just bringing it up about all the different characteristics of the Bruins team that we saw all year kind of disappearing. It's almost like when you – let me ask you this, Ian. When you look at the Florida Panthers before this playoff, did you think of them as a tenacious, forechecking, defensive-minded team with great goaltending? you think of them as the high-flying Panthers that are going to run and gun, lots of finesse, lots of skill? The latter, right? 
the latter, and Paul Maurice was brought in to help them transition to become more of a physical four-checking team. That's what he came here to and cycle team, you know, but, cycle the puck. Don't just try to rush up and yeah. down and trade chances with the other team. And they yeah. were playing well, adjusting to that style change early in the year. But man, did they figure it out at the right time? And, and who looked more like the Florida Panthers? Yeah, the Bruins. It was like yes. reversal teams, man. It was like yep. the Bruins took on the Panthers' identity, and the Bruins, uh, the Panthers said, "Okay, we'll be you." And, and, and basically, the Bruins got beat by themselves in terms of qu- uh, style of play and the systems that were used. It, they looked like the Bruins did all season. You're absolutely right. And so it's, you know, in a moment and, and right after it happened, I, I, I was still like, what the hell just happened? You know, and it was just like surreal. But then when you take a step back and, of course, like you said, now that you can watch those two games in Toronto and really, you know, kind of look at the little things that the Panthers are doing. You know, I'm covering a game. I, I don't see all that as well. Like, I, I'd be able to watch a game with you, a neutral game that I'm not working as a reporter, and I'll be able to pick it apart a lot better the first time because I, I'm not, I don't have to write. I'm not on deadline. I don't have this going on. I don't have that. So when I had a, a you know, a chance to step back and really analyze what I just witnessed, that's the theme I got. That and the fact that, you know, Jim Montgomery – uh, suddenly, I, I don't know what happened. Suddenly he became an ECHL coach. Uh, he was brutal. Uh, hands down, Jim Montgomery got completely, completely outcoached and embarrassed by Paul Maurice. It, it was, I've never seen a coach struggle more in game and game by game to adapt than I saw Jim Montgomery in that series. And look, it, it's hilarious because I think they're all a bunch of hypocrites, but you got all these people who were high-fiving and loving the fact that they canned Bruce Cassidy and brought in this guy who's going to be much more player-friendly and, and and he's going to be more up-tempo and let the defense jump into the offense more and blah, 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 blah. And they had that incredible start and everyone's yeah. getting those excited. Like, look at the change in the Bruins here, here. yeah. <laughs> those same people that said that are now calling for Jim Montgomery's job here. I yeah. live, honestly, out of sports markets in North America, they are the biggest – entitled hypocrites I've ever seen. It, it, it's ridiculous how they can just pretend that never happened. Like, no, we never said it. Really? Because I've got it right here. I've got the audio recording of you celebrating Bruce Cassidy's firing, and now you're saying that they need him back and they need to fire him on co- It's hilarious. Yeah. But that being said, I think Bruce Cassidy fares better in this series against the Panthers than Jim Montgomery would have. Uh, he was exposed and I think one of the biggest things he was exposed on, Ian, and look, I don't fault him for it, but there comes a time when you have to put your foot down and you can't always be the player's best buddy. That's what an assistant coach is, not a head coach. An assistant coach can be that middle guy, that conduit to the dressing room. Um, you know, assistant coach can play the good cop more often, not the head coach. Sometimes you got to be like Daryl Sutter. Not all the time, but sometimes you got to be like Daryl Sutter. And while he might have said things to them internally, once in a while, he should have said to us, they sucked. That's it. Plain and simple, we sucked. It, 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 the, the amount of, oh, I love these guys, and it's such an honor to coach them, and blah, 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 blah. Enough. Enough of the hunky-dory stuff, man. Come out and rip them. Just like we just heard Dennis Green there. Sometimes you need to come out. Look at Paul Maurice, what he did in Toronto on the bench there. Publicly, in front Publicly. of everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and that did it. 
You're playing like fucking bitches, he said multiple yeah. times. Yeah, and I'm sure the P word was used in the locker room. I mean, yeah. it, it's just sometimes you got to tell it like it is, Jimbo. Yeah. And he didn't do that. And I thought that hurt them because he leaned too much on Bergeron and Krejci as being kind of his Reg Dunlops, so to speak, player coaches there. No. And, you know, when it came down to it and he needed to actually coach himself when they weren't in the lineup, he couldn't. So uh, that that's my take on that series. I hope it was a big I, – I don't think he's going to get fired, nor do I no. think he should get fired. No. No. But I think he needs to really take this, and I'm sure he will. It's I mean, a learning experience for him. Yeah, and let's not forget what Jim Montgomery's done off the ice, Ian, right, yeah. with what he's done battling alcoholism and turning his life around. Yeah. So I don't think he's the type of guy that's not going to take this and, and translate it into making himself a better coach. He will he will apply what he learned over the summer and reevaluate himself and come back a stronger coach. But for now, he got outcoached. I think next year now, because it's it'll be his second year with the team, he'll have a better idea of who he's coaching now and with a bit you know more of a grown relationship with the players just because he's been around them now longer i guarantee you not only is he going to learn a little bit from what ha went wrong and maybe too much mr nice guy i guarantee you next year if they have a slump at some point during the season he will go off in a press conference at some point i'm just gonna i'm gonna say it right now he will he'll have one of those moments next year well, will, i think which we didn't see last year will i think he, he will what if bergeron and crazy are still here See, I, I wonder if that's what's holding him back. Like, you know, and that's another thing we could talk about and that's quickly true. is just, you know, I, I really want to see those guys back. I'm going to miss covering them. They're great human beings. And and I really didn't. I honestly think them. Bergeron is going to retire. I mean, that seemed pretty final with the way that ended after well, game seven. Well, he did that last year, though, Ian, yeah. eh? Yeah. In, in Carolina, on the ice in yeah. Raleigh at RBC Center, whatever yeah. the hell they call it now, or PNC, whatever it is. Yeah. He did that same exact thing last year, and Brad Marchand yeah. came out and met us after the game, and he was bawling, thinking it was over, and then it wasn't. So who knows? Yeah. And you got to factor in, too, I think Krejci's definitely gone. Based on yeah. the, the combo we had with him at, at the breakup day the other day, I think he's gone. Yeah. But right now, I'm kind of up in the air with Bergeron. I think he should retire, to be honest. I don't think he has much left to prove. But the fact it's a centennial season – uh, the fact he went out the way he did, I, I don't know. He's got a lot of pride, but it depends where his health is at, obviously, but we'll see. But, you know, going back to Montgomery, he's, he's got to set the law down in camp. When he arrives, he's going to make it clear who the boss is because yeah. I felt at times the inmates were running the asylum there. Yeah. And, uh, like I say, it'll be interesting. Would he would he have a game where we say we sucked and we got to be better? That was totally unacceptable in a press conference with Bergeron there next year, or would he would he still do it with Bergeron there, something like that, or would it have to be he maybe is gone now and then maybe he'll say something like that publicly when his team doesn't play well? And let's be honest, they didn't play well. They didn't play up to their standard in the first round, not the standard we yeah. saw. Uh, from the Boston Bruins, certainly throughout the uh, regular season. But, yeah, some interesting uh, decisions on the way as far as the uh, Bruins are concerned, and it'll be interesting. And Jimmy will do a great job, of course, keeping tabs on all of it over at uh, Boston Hockey Now. And I mentioned earlier in the show, Jimmy, this National Hockey Now site, it's growing. I'm very yeah. impressed to see how many team sites are launching, how many writers have been hired and brought on board. Uh, we've got, you know, Capitals and Islanders and there's a Vegas Nashville. site. I mean, it's just Nashville. I mean, it's uh, it's growing and it's uh, really good to see for for the company, for the network. 
Yeah, it's great. We're really excited about it. Chicago's another one we just added. We're going to add the, unfortunately, we can't get the Devils up and running until after the season's over, which kind of stinks because I got to feel, you know, we could talk about it in a bit. I, I kind of like them still in that series over Carolina. Um, but uh, just because of contractual reasons with the writer we're bringing in, it cannot happen. But look, Chicago, I think, is a great site for everyone out there to check because, I mean, they've as, as we speak, they have the best shot at landing the man, Connor Bedard. I mean, we'll, we'll see in a week. We'll see at the lottery. But uh, was it Tuesday? Are they doing it? It's going to be Monday. Monday night, Monday. the uh, draft okay. lottery. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll find uh, out then. But, I mean, you know, either way, this is a team that's going to be probably – uh, one of the hot button teams uh, leading into the draft and after it. So uh, really looking forward to the coverage there. So yeah, we're, we're, we're psyched. A lot of good things going on. Um, I'll, you know, as we tell the listeners, we tell our, our viewers here and you know it, I mean, there's no off season really in hockey. My off season comes just like for you in handicapping. I maybe will get a couple weeks in August and that's it. Yep. So I'm still full steam ahead. Come check me out at Boston Hockey Now. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of things I've been jotting down, tons of ideas, analysis um, I want to look into and write about. And, you know, I'm working the phones already. I mean, the offseason's begun for the Boston Bruins. So uh, I'll do my best to keep you guys in the loop of what's going on. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, Jimmy's cut from the same cloth as the man that runs that site, Dan Kongersky. If they do any more writing, their hand and their arm will fall off or something. I mean, yeah. it's really it's amazing how much content. I mean, he puts out there. Yeah, yeah. he told me the other day. I didn't even realize it. Yes, you just, when you get in that groove, he's like, you wrote 105 stories in April. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, give me good. a push that? No. <laughs> Hey, it keeps it, bring it one. It, hey, it brings people to back to the site to read it. And yep. yeah, that, that's part of it too. The more content you, you put out, the more readers will come to, to read it and see it. So uh, that's what it's all about. Um, we're coming to read and see tonight what's going to happen here with New Jersey and Carolina. It's game two, Devils, Hurricanes. We've got Carolina minus 115 home favorites, five and a half the total uh, in this one. And like I said, um, when I say something on this show, I follow through. I don't say it and then, you know, not follow through on it and decide I'm not doing something. I said if New Jersey loses game one, I am taking an adjusted series price on the New Jersey Devils to win the series. I'm not giving up uh, on the Devils just yet. Was that a bad game one from them? Absolutely it was. No question. Uh, coming off the Rangers series, I underestimated maybe kind of just, you know, beating the Rangers. They didn't have that you know, carryover that Florida had coming off a game seven win. Uh, New Jersey didn't. And Carolina played excellent defense. Terrific. Shut down Hughes, shut down all the top players of the Devils. Didn't They didn't have the puck, New Jersey, in game one. I mean, they barely had two shots on goal by halfway through that game. I mean, it was just a clinic defensively uh, by the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, and New Jersey just didn't have their legs. They didn't have the puck enough uh, there in uh, game one. So I expect the Devils to be better. It is concerning that I'm. I was debating: do I, do I wait maybe until Game Three? Maybe Carolina goes up two nothing because the one little concern I have, and it's is Carolina has been awesome at home. You know, in the playoffs last year they were. This year again they've been very strong on home ice, and I wouldn't put it past them to go up two nothing. But I also know the Devils have been a very good road team uh, all season long, and I said before the series, I still don't think Carolina will take both home games here to begin this series. So at plus 150, uh, plus 152 is actually the price I got with New Jersey 
uh, adjusted series price. I took a little bit of that. I mean, if I were to play game two individually here tonight, I would I would lean Devils. But again, I've taken the plus one fifty two with them as the at an adjusted series price, and I feel I'm just going to stick with that. I would lean Devils here in game two. Maybe I'll put a couple of bucks just on them individually here in game two. You know, at minus uh, one hundred five. Uh, in this game, probably also might look at the Devils team total. It is cheap. I mean, it's only two and a half and it's even money, you know, with the uh, Devils team total. Uh, you know, I do think you'll see a better uh, performance from them, make their adjustments here, uh, even with a very good, tight uh, defensive team like the Carolina Hurricanes are. Plus, I want to mention another thing. New Jersey did not get in the, draw enough penalties uh, in game one. They were in the box a lot more than uh, Carolina was you know, I think maybe that has a chance to uh, even out here tonight in this game. I'm also going to have a small look again at over five and a half. And I can tell you that Alex uh, B. Smith, who's not on today, but this is actually his best bet uh, on this game tonight. It's Devils Hurricanes over five and a half here at uh, a nice plus price. You can get plus 115 to plus 120 uh, with over five and a half in this game. You know, we're not asking much uh, right now for uh, this to get uh, up and over the total here. It's plus money. You know, it got over in game two in spite of the fact that it was a 5-1 final score. And as we saw, too, in Game 1, Lindy Ruff pulling the goalie down by three. Don't forget to factor that. In fact, Brindamore is also a goalie, or a coach, rather, that will pull the goalie down three. So five and a half looks a little bit cheap to me again. Uh, and I expect the Devils to be much more aggressive, assertive, you know, at the offensive end of the ice. We're still going to have the same goalie matchup, by the way. There was some talk whether uh, the Devils would go back to Akira Schmid, but Again, he's played a really good playoff so far. He didn't have a great game six. He got pulled in that game. How did we see him respond in game seven against the Rangers? He shut him out. He played great. Kind of the same thinking here with the Devils. Yes, not a great game from Schmidt, but not a great game for the whole team in game one against Carolina. They're coming right back to him. It's the right call. Give Schmidt a chance to bounce back. He did it in game seven after the rough game six against the Rangers, and they're giving him that chance to do it. Uh, here tonight. I'll get into props in just a moment. Jimmy, what do you think here? Game two, New Jersey, Carolina. I'm with you. Everything you just said, and pretty much in a nutshell. Um, I think it's a great reasoning, and I agree with all of it. Um, I think the one thing that maybe Jersey wasn't ready for was what you mentioned off the get-go there is just that suffocating defense for Carolina. Um, when they start to swarm, they're one of the best in the league. And what I mean by swarm is when they're just coming down, much like we talked about Florida, when they're just coming down on you uh, with that four check or they're making you think twice and you make mistakes. Uh, they're one of the best teams and they have been for a while. And, you know, I saw it firsthand in that seven game series last against the Bruins and that's how they beat the Bruins. And, you know, that's how they're playing right now in the second round and considered a Stanley cup contender. But I do like the devils in this. I think this is going to be a long series. I have picked the devils in six I still think it could go 7-2, but I'm, I'm not going to veer away. I'm not going to jump off the Devils' bandwagon by any means. I think the Devils are there for a reason. You know, there were question marks. Were they too young? Were they Would they crumble under the spotlight of the playoffs? So, it, it, you know, were they just going to be happy to be there? Clearly, they're not. Clearly, they have bigger goals in mind. It wasn't just making the playoffs. So, uh, I think they bounce back tonight. I'm really feeling an overtime so i'm gonna throw something down on the draw on this guys and i'm also gonna take the devil's money line to win yeah i don't mind the draw look either i think it's a i think it's a tight game tonight i think it's probably a one goal game we get and carolina's not uh immune to playing these in the playoffs these tighter games i think we're gonna see that here tonight as far as the props go uh for this game 
be careful with like this is I don't think going to be an, I think it has again we can get over the total but I also don't expect like a 5465 game either so make sure if you're looking at goal props and point props assist props you you be selective you know you don't want to hammer the board with those but there are a lot of shots on goal props that I like here in this game and look they addressed it after game 1 Lindy said it Jack Hughes said it Dougie Hamilton said it you know we didn't have the puck enough we've just got to make a point of it to you know may, have better puck plays with the puck have it up more on our stick, and that's the problem. That's why they didn't have many shots the other night. So I'd expect a little more aggression there. Plus, let's be honest, it was a very easy night, very comfortable night for Freddie Anderson for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes in net. You've got to get more traffic. you got to make life more difficult on him. I still think he's, especially at playoff time, you know, Frederick Anderson's track record hasn't been spectacular, you know, especially in those Toronto days. Uh, you know, we'll see what he's made of, and he just hasn't played enough playoff hockey here in Carolina with due to injuries, including last year, to really tell if if he's that kind of playoff goalie that can get hot and lead his team to victory. Um, so I think pepper the net uh, with shots a lot more tonight if you're New Jersey. So I would focus on Hughes, Hamilton, Heashear, you know, really as guys to, uh, and uh, Heashear in particular, his shots volume has really gone up uh, of late. So uh, definitely Hughes, Heashear, uh, Hamilton would look toward them as far as shots on goal. I'm going back to the well, Jimmy, on the Carolina side with um, Natchez shots on goal, with Ajo shots on goal, and especially Brent Burns over three and a half shots on goal with him. Do you know why that is? Because he has been flying over his shot prop, and he must have had like 10 shot attempts in game one, and yet he only had two shots on goal. It was just one of those nights where Brent Burns was, the scope of his rifle was off. You know, he was missing the net with like, seven or eight of his shot attempts. And if even he hits the net with half of those, he goes over three and a half shots on goal in game one. So I'm coming right back to the uh, Brent Burns over three and a half uh, shots on goal here tonight uh, in this one. Uh, and as far as if I'm going to look toward goal props, you know, Aho had a bunch of chances. He hit a post the other night. I could see him finding the back of the net tonight. Natchez two for Carolina. And then on the New Jersey yeah. side, you know, you got to go with the guys that you trust the most who have gotten it done. I still think Eric Halla, you know, with is one of the leading uh, goal and point producers in the playoffs for the Devils. He's a good bargain bin option. But, you know, I think Hughes can bounce back, find the back of the net here tonight for the Devils. The goal prop for him, uh, I'd consider. Uh, you also look at uh, Andre Pilat was quiet in game one. Usually when the team is, you know, they're not, not that their backs are against the wall, but they'd really like to get this series tied. And Andre Pilat and his historically great playoff performances dating back to his time with Tampa Bay. Uh, definitely could look in that regard. Uh, and yeah, Seth Jarvis, who scored for them the other night for uh, Carolina, he can be streaky sometimes. And he's been kind of in an offensive drought. And he finally scored a goal for them on a beautiful goal in game one that maybe sometimes we look at uh, Seth Jarvis as some one of those guys that can score in bunches. He usually is. So Seth Jarvis may be uh, worth a look here. Uh, in uh, tonight's game as well, if you're looking at a goal score prop. Another thing I think that New Jersey struggled with, not just Carolina's defense, but the Rangers never got to the tough areas, the dirt, the blue paint, the crease area, the slot. The Rangers yeah. didn't get there enough, and you, and it was too easy for the Devils in that those areas. Carolina was getting to those areas way more than the New York Rangers were, the slot area, in front of the net, traffic, you know, taking away the eyes of Akira Schmidt, uh, making it more difficult, and they went to the areas you need to go score goals at playoff time let's see how the devils you know adjust defensively to a much more assertive you know let's be honest a tougher 
Carolina team compared to the Rangers. Rangers played too soft. Play, Rangers played too much perimeter hockey uh, against the New Jersey Devils. Carolina did not play that way in game one. They were going to those hard areas where you have to pay the price to score goals. Carolina did a good job of that uh, in game one. And let's see if uh, they can duplicate that here tonight uh, in game two. And that's the only game uh, on the uh, slate tonight uh, is game two. Jimmy, um, we'll do the ads and we'll do best bets and we'll wrap up the show in just a moment. But uh, since uh, you're only with us on Fridays, uh, we'll fast forward the Edmonton Vegas game Saturday. And we've got the three games coming up on, well, the other New Jersey, Carolina is Sunday. Uh, so we won't talk about that, but game three, but Toronto, Florida, game three, Seattle, Dallas, game three on Sunday, Edmonton, Vegas, game two tomorrow night on Saturday. Uh, what are you thinking when it comes to those games? Well, I'm thinking any reason, uh, part of my ignorance that why did, why only one game tonight? Is it, it is because Edmonton Vegas was supposed to be tonight initially, and it was supposed okay. to be a doubleheader building conflict at T-Mobile arena and they had to play it. tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. So as far as that game goes tomorrow, um, look, I, I'll tell you, man, uh, they, like, I know, how can you say this when Leon Dreisaitl got four goals, but, other than that, I thought they did a great job of shutting down McDavid. I don't think they he got two assists, I know. But I, I think you kind of like in, nowadays when you play McDavid, you just say, all right, if we can lim limit him to a couple assists, maybe one goal, we're good. You know, we'll get by. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just how good he is. And they did that. And I, I really love Bruce Cassidy's coaching in that game. Really adapted on the fly well. There were so many points where I thought I could just swing – and Edmonton was going to take off in that game and, and just blow them out, but they didn't. And, you know, Vegas has got some depth, man. I mean, much like we were talking about earlier, Seattle, the way he can roll those lines too. And, and I think that's really what helps them a lot. And that's why they are where they are right now. Um, that being said, I'm going to go the other way. I think the Oilers bounce back with a win in overtime, another draw for me. So I'm going to take Oilers, money line, and also the draw in that game. Oilers and draw for the uh, uh, game tomorrow night with the uh, Oilers and Golden Knights. And then the Sunday games, Toronto, Florida, Seattle, or Dallas at Seattle. The, the game three is coming up on Sunday. Uh, what's your initial lean with those right now? Well, I love your first period on the Leafs. I love that. I'm going to definitely jump on that because I, I, I think for sure, as we discussed before, this long break kind of takes the rhythm out of sync there for the Florida Panthers. I think it affects them early on, but they're the type of team that can adapt and, and recover in game. So I'm liking that first period there. I, I don't know, man. I'm like an overtime freak. Give me another draw, but I don't know which way this one's going. There you go. And uh, good stuff there. And uh, all right. And then uh, Seattle. Uh, I like Seattle in the money line. I might even go a little Jimmy puck line on Seattle. I think that place is going to be rocking. The roof's going to come off, and it's going to go back to Seattle's favor in this one. They should be up 2-1 in the series uh, come Monday morning. There you go, like in Seattle, back home. Now, they haven't been the greatest home team, but again, they've got 1-1 back to Seattle, and the place will be uh, a buzz definitely on Sunday night for uh, Game 3 with the uh, Stars. Uh, and, and I just want to say, Ian, too, like, you know, my buddy was saying this. We were trying to think, because, you know, you like to – kind of pick teams to jump on a bandwagon a little in the playoffs and really follow. And I, I'm just, I'm following Vegas pretty hard. I have been all year just because of my relationship with Cassidy and I hope they do well. But uh, he said, nah, man, you got to get on Seattle. He's like, I mean, 
and we, we can do a little plug here too, a good segue. He's like, you love your Gramco. Man, will Gramco come in handy in that parade in Seattle if they ever win it? It's just going to be a haze of the 420. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Uh, if that if that comes to fruition and we're talking. Well, Nirvana Kraken and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All those stoner rock bands from uh, yeah. back in the uh, uh, grunge era there in yep. the uh, early uh, 90s. An era that I loved. I loved the music back then uh, from some of those bands. Really, really good. Uh, and uh, still listen uh, to this day. I love 90s alternative. I was a big oh, 90s yeah. alternative fan. You know, That's I'm a fan of a lot of genres. I love oldies. I love 70s stuff, 80s stuff. Even the cheesy 80s pop I like. 90s, 90s hip-hop. Hip-hop. It was just yep. the best. Nothing will top 90s hip-hop. That was as be- good as it gets. Alternative yep. was good. And um, like I say, a little bit here and there, new music, but it's not the same in my opinion. Were you, were you a BC Boys fan? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, MCA. I can't. Yesterday was 11 years since he passed. Still yeah. Can't yeah. That. I mean, just an absolute, they were absolutely spectacular, too. Uh, Illmatic, uh, still one of the great albums, uh, honestly, uh, from uh, the Beastie Boys. And yeah, just a, a wide range of music and uh, definitely a 90s alternative. And a lot of those Seattle area bands from that era were definitely some of my uh, favorites for sure growing up as a kid. Uh, great stuff, Jimmy. Uh, awesome show today. Uh, thanks. Hit that like button, everybody watching on YouTube, 138, 140 live viewers. Shout out to our podcast listeners as well. Make sure you check out patreon.com slash ice guys, just $10 a month. Goalie charts, totals charts, power ratings, our daily ice guys show betting card and bonus content. I actually have a bonus uh, piece of content that I'm putting up on the Patreon page uh, in a little bit later today. We did an interview with former pro hockey player, junior hockey player, Colton Tubert. Uh, and we'll do that. Uh, we'll post that interview that I did with him uh, earlier this week on the uh, page later today. So make sure you check that out. And we've got more bonus content on the way uh, as well. So check that out. Patreon.com slash Ice Guys, just $10 a month. And also the Ice Guys store, iceguys.myspreadshop.com. Make sure you get yourself some Ice Guys merch from the Ice Guys store. All right. We got best bets to wrap up the show coming right up after we hear from Gramco and Manscaped. Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Gramco. Whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, court, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 THC products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products, including vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Gramco is also available at many American retailers as well. You can get the best Delta cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. And if you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you will get 20% off of every order. And any order that's on the site over $50 will be shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS. That's promo code I-C-E-G-U-Y-S at manscaped.com. 
If my math is correct, it's about 14 million balls that you can preserve. The Performance Package 4.0 is the complete accessory package to take care of everything that is required. You've got, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0 takes care of your facial hair, uh, and among other things, uh, you've got, of course, the weed whacker. I'm approaching 40. Nose hair has become a major issue. It pisses the hell out of me. I need to take care of that shit, and the weed whacker can help you do that. Both of these products, waterproof and a 4,000K LED spotlight for a more precise shave, and you'll also be able to take care of those delicate areas with the ball toner with the ball deodorant keep you smelling good looking good and feeling good down in the nether regions this complete performance package 4.0 will take care of everything for you for all you guys out there and it's courtesy of our good friends at manscape.com so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code ice guys at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, it's time for best bets here to wrap it up. Jimmy, what do you got for us for best bet? You hear me okay, man? We got you. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I'm going to stick with that overtime tonight. Give me the draw tonight as my best bet. All right, there you go. A little OT in uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. That was weak. Uh, in uh, Raleigh, North uh, Carolina uh, tonight uh, for uh, Jimmy. Devil's Hurricanes draw. And as always, I recommend if you're going to bet the draw, go to FanDuel. And it's not because I, I, I'm promoting or I'm sponsored by FanDuel. It's just because they have the best prices for the draw usually. Uh, plus 310, by the way, is the uh, price for the uh, draw at uh, FanDuel. Uh, right now so uh, make sure you would check that out and uh, yeah the draw plus 310 for uh, jimmy with his uh, best bet here on this uh, friday card my best bet here for this uh, friday uh, obviously there's just the one game tonight uh it's alex's best bet it's the only game tonight so it's going to be my best bet as well uh, devils hurricanes over five and a half plus 120 it's a great price you know we saw game one get over the total and that's despite minimal Offensive contributions from the New Jersey Devils, who I expect to be better tonight. So I think they find the back of the net. And I think Carolina's still at home with the forechecking tenacity they have, especially in the offensive zone, which gave New Jersey problems in game one. I think they will get uh, to the back of the net and find some goals as well. So Devils, Hurricanes over five and a half, plus 120 for my best bet for tonight's game two between New Jersey and Carolina. That'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great uh, Friday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Saturday uh, for our only weekend show. We're going to do all four weekend games on the Saturday show tomorrow at noon Eastern. So make sure you join us tomorrow on Saturday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. Mm -hmm.